0: Wine. Food. Talk. NapaBroadcasting.com Thanks for joining us here again on Napa Broadcasting as we continue our conversations with filmmakers that are bringing films to this year's Napa Valley Film Festival. Once again, we turn our attention to documentaries as I'm joined by my guest, Adam Fenderson. He is the director of the film Unlikely, and it is my pleasure to welcome him here to the program. Adam, thanks so much for joining us.
1: Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Before we talk about Unlikely, tell us a little bit about your career as a filmmaker before this film.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I was actually born and raised in Napa, so I'm a hometown boy coming home, uh, very excited to be bringing a, another film back to the Napa Valley Film Festival. My first uh, feature documentary was uh, entitled First generation. Um, my wife and I direct our films together, and uh, we we brought that to Napa in 2011 um, and premiered there. Won a jury award for impact for the impact that we have with that film. Um, and now we're really excited. This is our next feature documentary that we're coming out there. But I grew up. In Napa, I went to Vintage High School, and uh, actually went to the community college for a semester. Took a, a photography class at the at the community college that I still think back on uh, when I'm setting up shots today. Uh, that was one of my first real photography classes, um, and it's and it's really cool to be able to like bring it all back around um, and, and come back to Napa to share my. My, my films.
0: Very cool. And tell us about the experience of working as a filmmaker, working as co-director with your wife.
1: It's wonderful. Um, it's. It, we met each other when we were. Uh, she was actually writing um, little scripts and stuff like that, and I had just finished film school and trying to figure out what I was going to do. And we worked on a, a tiny little short film together, uh, just for fun, and that's actually how we you know, got to know each other. And so that led to working on a script with each other, which led to marriage and three kids <laughs> with another one on the way. So
0: uh,
1: We've been, we've been working together uh, since, uh, since we met really. And that was kind of what, you know, made me fall in love with her, the way we work together. And so I think that, you know, through, through everything we've done, really, even, even besides our documentaries, it's, it's usually a, a an effort that we do together. And so, um, yeah, it's. Some people say they'd they'd never be able to work with their spouse, um, right. and I feel really really lucky because that's pretty much the only person that I like working with. <laughs> <laughs> we work together all the time, and so it's a, it's a good working relationship.
0: Well, great. And tell us how you came to Unlikely as uh, your current film.
1: So my wife um, worked as a college admissions officer at Columbia. Uh, when she, she went to Columbia in New York, and then she graduated and worked as a college admissions officer there and as an admissions officer at an elite school she'd come in as a low income student and really saw the challenges that other low income students that had trying to get accepted um, and into the the pipeline and she started to feel like the students that were getting accepted and admitted um, were not the students that she felt like deserved it. And, you know, she was looking at all these low income kids that were trying to get to college and how you know college really changed her life. And unfortunately, the school was just not able to support those types of students um, as much as she thought that they should have. Um, so she left college admissions and found a big heart for helping students um, get to and through college um, from, from any background that they come from. So our first film was called First Generation, and it was about students who were first in their families to go to college. And we followed, when, when she met me, I had, you know, I was just passionate about making movies. And, um, you know, we kind of combined our efforts and said, let's go after these stories. And so we we told First Generation followed four students for two years as they finished high school and went towards college. And then what we realized after that film was done and we had been screening it and talking to people was, the big question next is not just getting students to college, but getting them through college. And we, so we, before we, we had said, no, we're not going to do another education doc, but we realized that less than 50% of the people that start college in America actually finish their degree. And so, and most of those people are going and taking out loans and taking out uh, whatever money that they need to finish school. And then not finishing. So they they're left without with, they're, they left. They're left with debt, but nothing to show for their debt. And so they can't even you know raise their their job opportunities and stuff like that because they don't have that that degree. And now they're sitting behind with a pile of debt that, that they have nothing to show for. So we wanted to dive into this and kind of look at what we saw the problems were in this um, with this with this situation and why is it that the U S has such a low graduation rate. Um, and the truthfully, we are one, uh, our graduation rate, our completion rate is one of the lowest amongst the industrialized world. And wh- what is that? Why is that happening? And so we, we started diving into that a couple of years ago and we w- realized that there's a whole swath of reasons and you know, how can we kind of distill that down to a film? And then we started talking to some people. We got some grants, um, some funding grants to, to go for it. And we moved forward and turned it into the feature film that we have now. So, um, yeah, it all started with my wife saying, you know, we need to really look at, at education. And then it's all come down to what can we do to make sure that students from every background, from every population, not only get, get into college, but can finish their degree and move forward.
0: And the film takes a look at five students specifically and, and their journeys. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah, the five students in the film. So we, um, when we first looked at this issue, we, we thought, you know, what you think of as a college student, you think, oh, those are 18-year-olds that are just out of high school and they now are, you know, looking to go into college. Uh, but the truth is that's not really the story. Um, a large majority of people that are going to college today are adults, um, there are people that have uh, stepped out of, of college at some point and are coming back. Um, many of them have kids. Um, many of them are uh, what we call opportunity youth where they don't have, they're don't they not in a job and they're not in school and they're trying to figure out wh- which way back to get um, back to a livable wage job. And so we kind of looked at all of these different storylines and said we need to tell the stories of, of all these different situations. So we follow a mother in Akron, Ohio, um, and who has three kids and is going back to school. Um, we follow from down here in Los Angeles. We followed two students, one of them that was going through a year up program, which is a fantastic, uh, organization, um, that is helping students that get back to school in the workforce. Um, we followed another mother down here in Los Angeles that was going to an online, school through Arizona State University. Um, we follow a, uh, a student in Georgia who is a traditionally aged student going to Georgia State University. And then we also follow the LeBron James Family Foundation and his um, a, a student that's going through his program actually has a, a younger kid um, that is looking forward to college and, and what kind of roles and, and opportunity or role models and opportunities she has as she's looking to to get to college as she um, goes through high school and all the way into graduation.
0: And as you went into all of these stories, what did it do in terms of your own perceptions and your wife's perceptions about what was causing this, about what was transpiring here?
1: I think what we realized is that this is, well, there's two things. One, the big, I think the big issue is we have done a great job in the U S telling people that you need a college degree or some sort of degree or certificate after high school to get a good livable wage job, right? Which is, we've been telling people this for quite a while. You've got to go back to college to get a good or go get some sort of college degree to get a good livable wage job. And that's, and that's for the most part true, especially in today's economy where the majority of the jobs, 99% of new jobs since the, recession have required some sort of post-secondary degree but the problem is these students are going and we have this huge influx of students since the 70s really that's going to college people are going and going and going but the colleges were just not built and, and universities the university system they just weren't built and designed to serve the broad spectrum of all US students they just weren't and many of them are failing our students at this point we've told them to go to college but then we haven't given them the tools and we have and the schools have not adapted to be able to serve all of these students um, to meet not just the needs of the students but also the needs of our economy and so if the schools aren't willing to stop and look at themselves and say we need to make changes to ensure that we are not just accepting students but helping our students graduate um, then if 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 that's the problem, then we need to point it out. Um, and I think a lot of schools have seen this and we follow some of the storylines of the schools that are doing a good job and the organizations that are doing a good job at this and really, really trying to shift uh, perspective on to make a more student focused campus. Um, and so we and we also look at the, the problems that have been in the past and, and the schools that did not do such a good job and have really um, not been willing to change. And so I think that you know, that's the, the one thing that we see is that there is a problem at the university and the college level that they're not serving the students. And then secondarily, I think we have to realize that this has to be a community effort. It is not just one, you know, we, just, we can't just look to the school. We have to look at, to the community. We have to look to the corporations that are demanding this. We have to look to the foundations and the organizations in each city. And each and, and the nation in um, as a whole to focus on reshifting our thinking towards, towards student success um, when it comes to post secondary. So it's got to be more than just, man, the school's really got to help these kids. We have to say, you know, as a as a corporation or as an organization, how can we get involved in the schools, in the work with these students, and make sure that they're finishing and getting back into the workforce.
0: And were there some schools, some colleges and universities that were really in denial about the problem?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that... I don't know if they're in denial because I think I think that when you bring this up, it's not like people don't know that the graduation rates are low, but right? everybody kind of knows it and everybody points a finger at somebody else, right? And I think that they're like, oh, well... You know, the, if you look at the community colleges and the and the state school systems, um, a lot of times they'll say, you know, the state schools will say, well, the community colleges aren't doing a good job of preparing them. And the community colleges go, well, the high schools aren't doing a good job of preparing them. And then the high schools say, well, they're coming in, and the parents aren't doing a good job of preparing them. And so everybody just points a finger, right? It's always like, oh, it's not our fault. It's somebody else's fault. Um, and I used to say it's like when you were in, like, you know, kindergarten. It was like, don't point a finger because you always have three fingers pointing back at you. I mean, that's the story here. It's like, we have, we have to have schools stop and look at themselves and say, we need to change. Um, and some schools are doing a great job and they may be, you know, changing and, and things are going well. Um, but they may not be serving a large population or they may not be willing to share that information with other people. Like, okay, so, you know, this school's increasing their graduation rates, but they don't want to tell anybody how they're doing it. So we need to share information across, across the board. And then, you know, the elite schools, um, they, they're graduating tons of people, right? They're graduating, I mean, a large percentage, 98% graduate from Harvard. And we keep pointing to those things. People keep pointing to that and say, well, look at Columbia and look at Harvard. and Look at Yale and Stanford. These schools are doing a great job. Why are we all doing that? Well, they only serve the tiniest top 1% less than that. You know, they serve a tiny amount of students. We need to look at the schools that are serving the majority of students. And those are the state schools and the community colleges. We need those schools to take a good, hard look at themselves and say, how can we do a better job of making sure that people are finishing?
0: The ones that are doing it right, what are they doing? What what were some of the first things they did to turn it around?
1: Well, I think the first thing is that they they took a look at themselves and they said, we're not doing enough and we need to change. Um, And we have one of the experts from Georgia State talk about that, how they looked at their graduation rate and they said, you know, our graduation rate's around 30%. That's 30% of the students that come in are actually going to finish their degree. And that's unacceptable. And so they say that in the film. We looked at that and we said, this is unacceptable. We have to change and so they started, you know, small and a lot of it is for them a lot of it's counseling. A lot of it is making sure that we are helping these students every step along the way. They're also taking a look at their group because not it's not everything is going to work for every school, right? So they're looking at the students that are coming to their school and they're saying, what can we do to better serve these students from the day that we accept them all the way until the time that they leave. And what we should not do is say, Hey, you're 18 years old. You're an adult. Come on in. Good luck. Go get them. Like, that's not what we should do. Because as soon as we do that, we, we walk away from a student and we leave it completely up to them. And as soon as these people run into a struggle here or there, if they don't have a safety net to fall back on, they're going to drop out. And we realize now, you know, that, that a lot of the students that are going to school, like I said, you know, these you know, returning parents and uh, um, people that have dropped out, they don't live at home with their family, they don't have some sort of, you know, wealthy parents that went to college and their parents went to college and their parents went to college to help them along the way and, and give them all the information that they need. You know, when we're looking at students that are first in their families to go to college, when we're looking at students that have Kids at home that are working, trying to do it at night, they need that extra level of support. And they can do it. Schools can do it. It's been proven. There are schools that are doing it. It's just that you have to put that effort towards that. And so we do. We look at a couple of the schools that are really focusing on that. And it's incredible to see how the shift happens when a school becomes more student-focused and you and you see those finishing and graduation rates happen.
0: And is this your uh, last documentary about education? You're going to move on to something else after this?
1: <laughs> well, that's what we said after our first one. So <laughs> I can't guarantee that, that we're going to do that again. But, you know, we're working on it. We have a couple other projects in the pipeline. One of them actually does have a little bit of uh, of information on on an educational piece, but I think we do want to branch out a little bit more. Um, what what's been what's been great is we've had you know since our first film is we've had a, a great community of people that are interested in this topic that we've been working with that we've been showing our work to, and so they're excited about the new the new things coming up. Um, we're talking about education, but. Yes, we are, we're definitely branching out um, as well. We're working on a couple projects in, in different places and, and looking to you know broaden our horizons in that sense. But the truth is our, both of us are uh, we have a strong passion for making sure that people that are um, traditionally marginalized, um, whether that's in education or whether that's in you know where they live and, and the, the services provided by the community, um, or even just the the stories of the people that are that are that are struggling in life that don't have the advantages that we see so often in the in the news um, or in the media. Uh, I think that that's our heart. Is our heart is to look at those those populations and civilizations and and give them a voice. Um, you know, and hopefully provide some 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 windows into the worlds of people that are often just, you know, marginalized and not seen by the general public.
0: Adam Fenderson, his film premiering here at the Napa Valley Film Festival is unlikely. We look forward to seeing it and seeing you and thank you so much for spending time with us.
1: Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. We look forward to the, uh, the to the festival.
0: Thanks, Adam. Local voices, local conversations. Napabroadcasting.com.